Welcome to the Humble Hoof Podcast. My name is Alicia Harlov. This is a podcast for both horse owners and hoof care professionals, offering discussions into various philosophies on the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Please check us out on Facebook or at thehumblehoof.com. Do you know of any factors that influence hoof health? Absolutely. And I learned a lot of them from you. <laughs> um, uh, diet. Do you know of any factors that influence hoof health? Definitely diet. I guess the main thing I'd say is, is diet affecting the hooves in a myriad of ways. I would say that 99% of your problems could be solved if you could tweak the diet properly nutrition and and all that I'm kind of realizing that it has a lot to do with their overall health I definitely think that diet is a really big one um, because we've seen a lot of um, horses with poor hoof quality or uh, you know trash uh, improved through um, uh, addition of uh, minerals especially uh, copper zinc um, magnesium so we, we can see visibly like a, a tighter hoof growth coming up uh, and the appearance of it is not so chalky. It's a lot more firm and shiny as well. So to me, I think diet is, is really uh, something that everyone, if they're not looking at it, they should look at it more. Okay, I'll admit I'm a little bit of a diet geek. Years before I took Dr. Kellen's NRC Plus course, I read a blog post from Rockley Farm saying that their hoof rehab hinged so much on diet, so I was determined to figure out what that diet was. If I could make my horse's feet healthier, I would stop at nothing to do it. And I'll admit, it's a bit of a rabbit hole, but an important one. It seems daunting at first, but really, it's all about checking what the horse is actually getting from their hay versus what they actually need in their diet. Is the calcium, magnesium, phosphorus in a good ratio? Is the hay supplying enough protein? Is the iron or even manganese crazy high? How much copper and zinc are they getting from it? All of this plays a role in their health and their feet. This episode includes an interview with Sally Hug, a nutrition guru, so to speak, and the creator of California Trace Minerals. She graciously agreed to talk to me about how we can help our horses through nutrition. Why don't you tell us your name and your current job or how you're currently involved in hoof care? Okay, my name is Sally Hug, and I am the CEO of Caltrace LLC. It's known to most people as California Trace, and that is my full-time job. And uh, I know this is kind of a loaded question, but what is your hoof care philosophy? How do you kind of approach hoof care? My hoof care philosophy is simply giving the horse whatever it needs to be healthy. Yeah, that's a really great, that's a great summary. <laughs> um, and why do you... a lot of room there. <laughs> <laughs> no, if, if you truly address everything a horse needs to be not just healthy enough to survive, but health, healthy enough to thrive, and that includes the environment, the movement how the horse is handled uh, and trained in addition to their diet and their hoof care. That is what makes healthy feet. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that's something I've, I've learned more and more and just reinforced more and more over the years. So why do you think knowledge about hooves is important in horse ownership or even just riding and recreation? Well, 
as everybody knows or should know, um, uh, poor hoof care is the leading cause of unsoundness in horses. Um, there's, you know, the, the tired old saying of no hoof, no horse. And I see a great deal of, of lameness and unsoundness issues with horses that can be directly traced back to discomfort in their feet. Their feet aren't comfortable. Um, they start loading their feet on unevenly. They have all kinds of problems. And, uh, you know, even, even James Rooney in his, in his book, you know, uh, 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 what was it? Lameness in the horse. Oh, the lame horse causes symptoms and treatment by James Rooney. It's an ancient book. But anyway, do, uh, Dr. Rooney, uh, his his research indicated that toe first landing was the leading cause of navicular disease in horses. And most people don't know that. Most horse owners can't even identify a toe first landing. Right. Or what it means. Because most horse owners rely on their farrier for taking care of their horse um, in terms of, okay, he comes out every six to eight weeks, puts the shoes on. As long as those shoes are on and my horse isn't lame, I'm happy, and off they go. Uh, but they never are able to identify the cause, you know, the causes of, of maybe the horse isn't obviously lame, but it's not moving well. And when the horse starts compensating for pain in their feet, then other parts of their body start to to also have um, stress on them that they weren't designed to handle. And people just, you know, everybody wants to know about how to, how to make their horse collect or pick up the correct lead or do all the other things or jump over fences or round up cows, but nobody ever takes the time to study how important their feet are to enable that horse to do its job. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, all of us have some point in our horse ownership or riding where hoof care became important, obviously. And um, mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about your story and your journey in hoof care? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> probably my journey in hoof care started right around uh, uh, the year 2000. Um, I always had my horses and shoes before because that was the only way you could ride them. I live in the mountains. It's rocky. We don't have, we didn't have good hoof boots back then. All we had were the original easy boots, which were the worst things on the planet. And that was it. And a good friend of mine came over to my house one day and said, you have to pull the shoes off your horses. You're killing them. And I looked at him like, you're crazy. But <laughs> I didn't have too much choice at the time, um, and uh, uh, so anyway, I agreed to take the shoes off of them, and unfortunately, this person was involved with a uh, rather popular movement at the time um, that involved uh, trimming all the sole out, cutting the feet down to nothing, and then making them walk on gravel, and my horses were really lame for months while I allowed this person to do these things until I finally said, you know, this doesn't look right to me. This isn't right. They're not, they're not getting better. They're getting worse. <laughs> and so at that point, I decided I needed to learn something different. And about that time, Pete Rainey came out with his original book, 
making natural hoof care work for you. And I bought that book and I read it cover to cover in one sitting. Wow. And yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't put it down because the things he was talking about at that time were exactly the things I started doing with my own horses when I took over their care myself instead of letting somebody else chop their feet up. And my horses got better. And it, 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 it involved not carving their soles out, not doing unnatural things with their feet. And I was hooked. I, I just felt completely validated that what I had started doing out of my own intuition about what was better for my horses was something that somebody actually recommended. And it made sense to me. Um, so at that point, I was hooked. Um, I felt um, enabled to take care of my horse's feet. My horses got more sound. Um, they were doing great. And about a year after his book came out, Pete came out and did a clinic in uh, the Bay Area that I attended. And um, my life was changed as a result of spending two days with Pete Ramey. And during that time with Pete, was he teaching about nutrition in his clinics at all? Very little. So how did how did you get more involved in the nutrition side of things to, you know, get to the point where you started a company? Well, um, as a as a result of of becoming involved with hoof care and starting a hoof care practice, I needed to learn everything there was to learn about horses' feet and their health. And at that time. I, about a year or so earlier, I had joined the East Equine Cushing's Insulin Resistance Group that was then on Yahoo. And Dr. Kellen was contributing quite a bit of information about nutrition because obviously horses that have insulin resistance in Cushing's and are very prone to laminitis, the diet is extremely important for um, helping these horses. And I read everything I could get my hands on. I read all the articles, I read all the posts, and I learned a tremendous amount about nutrition from Dr. Kellen on that group. And I will tell you, at first I was skeptical because I had already seen so many, you know, internet things that were just nutty, um, frankly. Uh, and I was a little bit leery about just jumping on bandwagons be just because some vet says this is what you need to do because I had seen some very poor advice from veterinarians also. Um, and so I thought, well, let's try a couple things. I just experimented with my own horses and changing their diets a little bit. Um, one thing at a time. Um, and I saw tremendous improvement in my horses, um, things that I didn't think had anything to do with what they were eating immediately got better. And I realized very quickly that this was, this was very powerful information. I, I was blown away at the improvement just by doing basic changes. I wasn't testing my hay. I wasn't doing all the things that I'm doing now, just making simple changes. And I was astounded by the improvement in my horses. So then I'm then at that point, I was hooked. So I said, okay, if some of this works, I'm going to learn more. 
So when Sally and I talk about minerals that are important for hoof health, um, most of the time it's considering copper and zinc specifically. Obviously there are other things to factor in and think about, but copper and zinc can be really important for overall health and this translates to hoof health too. Of course, at that time, I was starting to trim a lot of horses and um, in the area I live, everybody just fed alfalfa and wheat hay and, and whatever bag of grain was at the feed store. And I learned very quickly that I couldn't trim my way out of the problems these horses were having without addressing the diet. And were clients on board to address diet? No. <laughs> you need to realize that in 2004 no i still i was still working in an area where vets said insulin resistance doesn't exist right and people were very leery about what i had to say very skeptical um all of the articles that we see in the general mainstream horse publications about uh, you know, low sugar hay and all these things that are very commonplace now, no one had ever heard of. No one was writing those articles yet. And so here comes along, you know, Sally Hug, the barefoot trimmer saying, you have to stop feeding this, uh, feeding, you know, this type of feed and you need to, to switch over to some low sugar grass hay and we need to balance the diet. And uh, it was a pretty hard sell. <laughs> Nobody wanted to believe it. And, and you know, but I, I persevered and I felt that if I could just get somebody to change one little thing about their horse's diet, I would see improvement. And that's what I needed to do. Sometimes it took me over a year to convince people to change what they were doing. But if I could get them to do it and they saw improvement, they were on board. Um, and it, it, it took a long time, but as soon as, as soon as people started seeing these improvements and the horse is getting healthier, then they wanted to learn more, but they also started telling their friends. Um, the, one of the most profound changes, um, in one of my clients came, uh, when she finally switched from feeding alfalfa and wheat hay and, and bought the low sugar grass hay that I recommended along with a slow feeder so that her horse wasn't being fed, you know, a meal twice a day. It was, I just said, you know, buy the slow sugar hay, put it in a slow feeder, give the horse as much as it wants to eat. So it always has food in front of itself. And, you know, I'd always say, you know, look, just try it for a month. If it doesn't work, I'll never bring it up again. And I think a lot of people did it just so I would shut up. <laughs> they were so tired of hearing me nag about this. But whether or not their feet got better, the biggest thing that people noticed was the change in their horse's behavior. Yeah. And, you know, the best day, I, I think one of the best days I ever had is I went out to, to turn one of my regular clients' horses. You know, they were all on a six-week schedule because that's about a as short a schedule as you're going to get in Butte County out of anybody. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but I had been been just saying for over a year, you know, please just consider doing this. You, it's going to be better. And so I show up to Tremor Horse and this lady comes out and says, oh, Sally, 
I should have listened to you a long time ago. I'm thinking, okay, that's good. I said, what happened? And she says, I went ahead and I, I picked up the low sugar grass hay like you asked me to. As soon as I used up the hay I had, I bought the low sugar hay, put up the slow feeder, and that was the only thing she did. But she said when she went to go ride her horse, you know, on the, you know, the weekly trail ride she does with all her friends, her horse wasn't jigging sideways down the trail for once. Her horse was calm. Her horse wasn't a, wasn't a fruitcake out there because she got rid of all the sugar and starch and it had a belly full of hay. You know, it, it, was, it was just eating the way a horse should be eating and it wasn't getting all the sugar and starch. And she says, my horse, I can get on my horse, saddle it up, you know, go for a ride with my friends and my horse isn't being a jigging idiot out there for a change. That was what convinced her this was a good idea. That's that's amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. But, you know, that's that's the whole thing. It's called what's important to the owner. Maybe she didn't notice all the little things that, you know, even though I pointed them out that we were having issues with with the feet. But when her horse was turned into a calm, reliable, enjoyable trail horse, simply by changing the diet, she was hooked. So then how did that... Did that sort of lead eventually to you formulating California Trace, formulating your own supplement? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I learned about diet balancing from Dr. Kellen, uh, from paying. This was before she was offering her, her, her courses online. There was no NRC Plus course at that time. But, um, you know, we were, we were, you know, I was learning everything I could from reading every single post on that ECIR list and, and learning how to do the diet balancing before the course even existed. And so at that point, yeah, things were better when we got the horses off the alfalfa and the wheat hay and all the other junk they were feeding. And but I could tell there was still, you know, there were still problems. There was room for improvement. And I, my first thought, well, since we were testing all the hay, I knew what was in the hay. And so my thought was, okay, let's just run down to the feed store and buy something that will balance this. Well, was that a disaster? <laughs> um, I couldn't find anything. E everything was just full of iron. It was completely unbalanced. Nothing was going to help anything. I, I mean, I, I did pick up a few things. I looked at the labels and I went, well, this doesn't look too bad, you know, you start at the top of the, and then you go, oh my God, what did they put that in there for? Or, you know, it, it was very, very frustrating. I spent two weeks pouring over every, you know, uh, horse catalog, looking at, at supplements, uh, drove everybody at the feed store crazy. Um, it, it, you know, I'd be, I'd be looking at things on the shelves at the feed store and reading the labels and going, oh my God can't use this, can't use this, this is terrible. While the poor kid behind the counter is going, well, gee, nobody else ever complains about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, all I wanted to do was buy something, anything. Just, I just wanted to be able to buy something. And, but I needed to buy didn't exist. The problem with so many balancers and supplements that we see is not only that 
a lot have added iron, which just contributes to the overload of iron that they're already getting from their hay and water and other sources, but also that they're not really adding that much copper and zinc to the horse's diet. You'd have to feed almost an entire bag of some balancers to get any amount of copper and zinc that would be helpful, but obviously that would contribute to a lot of other problems, just way too much of everything else. So I'm really thankful for supplements like California Trace that actually think about how much copper and zinc we should be feeding. So I thought, oh God, I don't really want to do this, but I went ahead and created a couple, a custom supplement um, just for my, my trimming clients and of course my own horses and had this huge container of minerals mixed up with nothing else really in it. Uh, and I just said, here, feed this to your horse. Just feed it. Take away all this other garbage that you're buying at the feed store. Just feed this instead. And within a couple of months, all these all these little weird problems with the wall separation, the thrush I couldn't get cleared up, the thin soles, all of a sudden, their feet started looking really good. Horses that always needed hoof boots weren't needing them anymore. And their coats looked gorgeous. I mean, everybody was commenting on how great their horses looked. And well, one thing led to another, but that was how it started was just out of sheer desperation, out of not being able to find anything that was gonna work with our hay, just saying, okay, I, if it doesn't exist, I'll make it myself. And we got phenomenal results. And next thing I knew, we had a supplement business that <laughs> I never intended to start. <laughs> and it seems now that, I mean, at least in my world, California Trace is like a household name, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's so great. I know it's, it, it's kind of crazy because when I started doing this for my trimming clients, we didn't have a name for this stuff. It was Sally's Minerals. Yeah. You know, and, and it started, I mean, I was literally filling up little Ziploc baggies with minerals on my kitchen table in the morning before I headed out <laughs> to trim horses. Um, That's great. <laughs> it didn't have a name, but, you know, pretty soon I was starting to get phone calls from people that I didn't know. And, and it always started out with, well, my friend so-and-so is using those minerals she got from you, and her horse looks really good. Can I buy some? Yeah. And other trimmers started asking, hey, can we get some of those minerals? They seem to be really working. And one thing led to another. But it all started with something that actually worked. Right. Usually, with every hay test I've seen... Um, they'll usually show pretty high iron and very low copper and zinc. The problem with this is that iron competes um, with copper and zinc for absorption. So uh, without the proper ratios of that, the copper and zinc sort of get lost. Because of this, we really try to up that copper and zinc to a good ratio with the iron in order to make sure that the horse is able to utilize the copper and zinc in a way that will translate to better health. For a really sensitive horse, we look for ratios of iron to copper to zinc to manganese to be about 4133. Um, that can go up to 10 to 1 to 3 to 3 uh, in a horse that's maybe not as sensitive or not metabolic. 
And so I, I want to kind of uh, get into some practical stuff for, for owners and professionals. Um, so can you give us some, some tips on reading feed labels in terms of what's in it and what, you know, might be beneficial or not for feeding our horses? Well, I would love to. But feed labels are incredibly confusing to the average person. They were always confusing to me. I didn't know what they meant. I didn't know what a PPM was. Um, and I've been meaning to write an article about this. Um, there have been some good articles in uh, thehorse.com, um, you know, which is a, a both print and online magazine. They have written some good articles, but I think they're still confusing. Um, because I know what, I know what confuses the average person because I was confused. And, uh, so you can start by getting some, you know, trying to read some articles, but I've been meaning to write an article that just explains it in plain English. Um, most of the articles I've seen are still somewhat confusing for the average person. Yeah. And I can definitely say that I probably daily use the the conversion calculator on your website to convert isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's so nice to just be able to plug in you know this many ppm and know exactly how much is in each ounce or pound or so that's yeah. been really helpful <laughs> thank you yeah well we put that up there to help people whether whether they and i i know triple crown has a conversion calculator on their website too I don't know if maybe they looked at ours and said, well, we better put one up too. I don't oh, know. I didn't but, even know, you know that. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, Triple Crown has all, it's almost the same identical calculator, which is great. I, I think it's really important to empower the average consumer to understand how to read these labels. Um, because the vast majority of labels out there, whether it's a supplement or feed, they list everything by percentage and parts per million. And that's, that's fine, except people need to know what's in a serving size. Um, it's all, it all relates to how much of that item you're actually feeding. If you're feeding a couple of ounces, that's a big difference between something that you would feed five or 10 pounds of. But people, like I said, they don't know how to read these labels. And I've, my pet peeve is some, not too many, but there are some companies that may, that produce products where even I have a hard time understanding them. That's bad. Yeah. If I'm having a hard time figuring out what, what they're doing, because they don't tell you what the serving size is. They'll say, oh, feed two scoops of this. <sighs> How much is in a scoop? They don't tell you. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's really difficult um, uh, uh, on some of these labels for, for the average person to even have a clue what they're talking about and i find that that's really a disservice to people um people have jobs they go to they have families they have all kinds of things that take up their time in addition to wanting to go ride their horse the last thing they should have to do is spend hours trying to figure out a label right and so in terms of you know for example if we just took an average horse maybe like a thousand pounds and in moderate work what Mm -hmm. What would you consider when you're looking at their diet and how to feed them? Well, I always start with the NRC nutrient requirements of horses. Um, that's the book. Um, and they have all the charts in the back of the book. 
Um, you can, you know, everybody, you can read it for free online, but that tells you what the minimum levels are that horses should have for each, you know, uh, activity level, whether they're growing foals, pregnant broodmares, um, breeding stallions, racing three-year-olds, whatever it is, they've got a, a chart that tells you what the minimum requirements are. So that's where I start. And, and of course, the NRC charts are the, the bare minimums. Um, that's something that Dr. Kellen has taught us is that, you know, that's the minimum requirement. It's not necessarily optimal uh, uh, nutrition, but it is the bare minimum. And frankly, what I always start with is the horse getting enough calories to begin with. Is it just getting enough calories? And then we work through, you know, how much protein does the horse need, um, uh, vitamins, the balanced minerals. But you need, right off the bat, you need enough calories to support that level of work or growth or reproduction and protein and then your balanced minerals and vitamins. And when you're looking at increasing calories, are you looking at, you're hoping that that's coming from forage or are you considering other options as well? In most cases, until horses start getting into moderate exercise and beyond, good quality hay should supply their calorie needs. And this is why I still go back to testing the hay. Um, oftentimes you hear from people say, well, my horse, is lo- I, I bought, I bought the low sugar grass hay that everybody recommends, but my horse is losing weight. But did they test the hay? Uh, when you look at a hay test, it will tell you how, how many calories are in, you know, uh, per pound or per kilogram. It will tell you how many calories are in it. And a lot of the grass hay, especially in, in areas of the United States where, um, it tends to rain all summer. It's really hard to grow hay. And a lot of that hay is, it's really overly mature and stemmy by the time it's, it's cut and baled. And it has very few, it has very little nutrition in it. But if someone hasn't tested their hay, they wouldn't know. And so I always look at, you know, what's, what are, what's the, uh, the calorie level in that hay to begin with. And there's a big difference between an easy keeper and a hard keeper. Um, I can tell you most of the time, hay will will vary, you know, grass hay will vary, maybe, you know, uh, low calories. I've seen some high calorie hay, but if that horse needs more calories, let's pick out, uh, let's pick out some hay that's more nutrient dense. It's cut at an earlier uh, uh, stage, you know, so it's, it's, it's lower in fiber and it's higher in calories that alone will make a big difference to the horse. But people tend to not look at the hay. They tend to go, well, I need a bag of feed. Let's look at the hay first and then fill in what needs to be added and go from there. Right. Cause ideally, I mean, they're eating most of their diet will come from hay or Mm -hmm. forage. So you know, yeah. look at what's and, in that to see what they're getting. <laughs> well, uh, and hay cut at an early stage of maturity is going to have a lot more calories than hay that is kind of basically glorified baled straw. And we've seen a lot of that. And then people say, why is my horse losing weight? And so in terms of nutrition in the feet, um, what have you noticed in regards to 
to changes in the feet from, you know, testing the hay and balancing minerals to that hay or, you know, adjusting the diet based on what they need? The biggest change I see personally is that the feet get tighter, a tighter, better connected growth. The walls are not flaring. You're not seeing the stretched white lines. Um, generally, when the when the hoof wall connection improves and you get that tighter, tighter connection, you start getting more concavity because the coffin bone isn't just pounding down on the ground. Um, it's that, that coffin bone will, will actually kind of get sucked up a little bit tighter in that hoof wall capsule. And that's when all of a sudden those flat, thin soles go away. You, you've, got, you've got more concavity, you've got more clearance from the ground. And you'll see the, the, you know, those little minute cracks and things that are down at the, 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 the ground level. All these little nagging things that you can never quite clear up go away. Which is just, I mean, I love that. I think that it's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's so exciting to see. My name is Molly and I'm an owner of two horses. I've um, owned horses for 38 years. I've always fed a pretty high forage diet and low sugar diet. Um, so prior to my learning more about uh, diet f uh, for health of the hooves, I fed primarily um, hay and a, and a small amount of a ration balancer. Um, and after learning more about diet for the hooves and how to balance the minerals, uh, especially reducing the iron and ensuring that the copper and zinc was high enough, I noticed an enormous difference in the health of my horses overall, um, but especially their hooves. So um, just looking back at pictures from before my mare's uh, uh, diet was balanced, um, her hooves just look weak, uh, long, narrow, um, you, they don't look like uh, hooves that should be holding up a big body. Um, and about three months after changing the diet, there's a dramatic difference. The shape of the hoof changed, um, the hoof wall changed, the tightness of the lamina changed. Um, it's a really dramatic difference. And so have you seen diet affect sore feet? You know, and, and if you... So in, yeah. in, a, in a roundabout way, in that, you know, you have to realize, like, why are the feet sore? And it's usually because the soles are thin and they're flat because the coffin bone P3 has descended down. It's, it doesn't have that tight suspended connection up in the hoof capsule. So now the, the coffin bone is dropped and every step that horse takes, they're just pounding, uh, you know, the bottom of that coffin bone on the ground. And the only thing between the coffin bone and the ground is, is some really thin sole and, uh, and corium. And you can't, you can't turn your way out of that one. Those are always the horses where people say, oh, he's got to have shoes. Yeah. When it's really the, the health of the foot and the diet that makes the difference. So if you see a horse that has these thin soles and is sore, what is your first step in terms of diet? I mean, obviously we talked about the testing the hay, but as you're getting the hay tested, what do you think you start with first? If it depends on the kind of hay the horse is eating. Um, so I, I want, and, it, and also I look at the horse, is the horse obese? Is the horse overweight, needs to lose weight? 
uh, what else is going on, you know, in that animal's world. But generally speaking, it's, it's too much sugar, too much starch in the diet, and unbalanced minerals that cause these thin, flat soles. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And um, I just have one more question for you. Um, do you have mm-hmm. any closing remarks for owners that are struggling with their horse's diet needs? Yes. Number one, get the hay tested. And I realize that's not possible for people who live in, you know, or whose horses live in boarding stables where they get a different batch of hay from God only knows where every, every week. I realize that's not always possible. But most people can and start with getting the hay tested. If you can't test hay, go by the regional averages for that type of hay. And normally I start with just getting the hay tested. If testing the hay and balancing the diet doesn't give 100% of the results that you're looking for, that's when I'll say, let's go look at the water too. Um, water can be a big issue if it's if it's really high in iron or or manganese, which is is very possible. Uh, but I always start with 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 the hay because that's what horses eat more of than anything else is the hay. I always ask to eliminate all commercial feeds, um, whether it's senior feeds or any anything grains. Just get rid of it and and get back to bare bare bones diet from the hay working up from there. That's definitely a great point. I love that. Um, and actually this is maybe even off the record, but I was talking with someone today. Um, and I, I mentioned that I was going to be interviewing tonight and I could ask you this question. Um, Mm. but what is, uh, can, what is the difference between chelated minerals or, um, amino acid complexes or the polysaccharides, or, um, I know that's probably a huge question, but can, yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> um, can all of these be, is it chelated or? Yeah, there, well, there's, this is where, this is where it gets confusing for most people. You know, there's true chelates, um, and, and that are minerals bound to amino acids and then there are the, you know, the, the uh, amino, there, there's slight differences with them. And frankly, for the average person, I wouldn't be tearing my hair out over it. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is just my <laughs> personal feeling. Okay. Um, you have to real. I mean, I do like the polysaccharides. And for the main reason is when horses ingest food, you know, whether, you know, their hay, their grain, everything, the first place it goes is the stomach. And proteins are broken down. They begin the breakdown of proteins into their individual, you know, amino acids in the stomach, in the stomach acid. So those minerals that are bound to an amino acid, to a protein, are broken apart right there, okay? And whereas with the polysaccharides, which are bound to a polysaccharide coating, they don't get broken down until they hit the small intestine. And... Mineral mineral absorption mainly takes place in the small intestine. That's where that's where the big action happens. And you know, some minerals can be absorbed to a certain extent in the small in the in the large you know bowel, but really it's the small intestine which is the major site for mineral absorption. 
So if these minerals have been, you know, broken apart from their protein bounds, um, they're not going to be absorbed as well as when they hit the small intestine and, and the enzymes in the small intestine says, oh, look, there's a, here's some, some uh, polysaccharides, which are basically sugars, but in really tiny amounts, and they break them down there. And that's why these minerals seem to be better absorbed. On the other hand, I know a lot of, in other countries outside the United States, you can't get all of these things. And, and if it's simply not possible to get the polysaccharides, you know, then use the chelates. It's, you know, it's not worth tearing your hair out over. That's just my personal feeling. Yeah. That's all. What's important is that they're organic. Um, they're an organic meaning. And the only... When you talk about organic minerals, it's not the same as going to the health food store and buying organic spinach, okay? All an organic mineral is, it's a, it's a mineral bound to a carbon molecule. That's all. That's what makes them organic. Um, and horses, as opposed to other types of livestock, actually can absorb minerals quite well. All of this is in the NRC nutrient requirements of horses. When you start reading the chapter on minerals, is that uh, the only, and getting back to the chelates, the only class of horses that they saw had a slight improve or some improvement in their absorption of minerals were horses that were like foals to yearlings. After that, in adults, it made no difference whatsoever. Oh, that's and really interesting. Because, yeah, it it is very interesting when you read all this and and. But those those chelated minerals are a lot more expensive. And when there's no need to really spend that extra money, um, it's the poly the polysaccharides, they're they're cost effective, they work really well, and I like them. So that's what we've stuck with. Yeah, and obviously it it works. I mean, <laughs> there are a lot of people who have been really happy with the progress they've seen in their horses and uh, I know I've been really happy with it too. And, and I mean, now I, I do test my hay and I actually buy bulk minerals. <laughs> um, yeah. but I do, I get, I get polycopper and zinc cause that's just what I can get on, you know, California trees website actually. So, um, it's been really, it's been fun to learn about all of it. Oh yeah. No, you can, you can go, you can go a long ways and pretty in depth in all this. And I'm, still working on it but <laughs> that's the nice thing is you you never you never stop learning that's that's for darn sure um but yeah when you see that improvement in in the feet and the horse that that just seals the deal you there's no going once you once you've kind of gotten into the program of balancing to your hay buying the best quality hay you can that hopefully requires very little in the way of mineral balancing it makes it easier um, I, I just know I would never go back to doing things the way I used to. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me and answering all these questions. And, um, I will absolutely send you the finished product before I share it anywhere. And then you can just let me know if that works. Okay. Well, I think this is really exciting. Well, thank you so much. I always say that I'm slightly more hoof obsessed than the average person. And chances are, if you're listening to a hoof care podcast, you are too. So we should probably be friends. Feel free to find me on Facebook or email me at thehumblehoof at gmail.com.